Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. I'm going to go to the Western Hotline now because Paul Hamilton joins me on this beautiful fallish but basically winter morning. Paul, uh, good morning to you, my friend. And um, how do you feel this time of year? Because I know our colleague Jeremy White likes to, like, maybe overbearingly tell us how great this time of year is. But anybody that has to sell <laughs> this type of weather as hard as Jeremy does, like nobody should have to sell something as hard as he sells the cold weather. It's kind of funny you brought that up because um, I just put on, I just got and put on one of his elite shirts that he uh, had out there for charity. <laughs> so I, I'd gotten one of those. And it's the first time I put it on, and it was today, that uh, fall is elite. So, um, yeah, I'm not a huge I love the colors yes, of fall correct. and that type of thing, but, you know, I like hiking and looking at the colors, but I'm still a summer person, you know. Oh, I, yeah. Summer is my favorite time of year, and I just love being outside and hiking and uh, playing sports and going to music events and that type of thing. So, for me, it, it's still summer. Yeah, I'm with you there, Paul. Don't you, you, You've got a friend in me on that one. Um Let's talk about first of all. Let's talk about Thursday. I was um, I went out on um, on Tuesday to go grab. Uh, I'm sorry, on Thursday to go grab a beer with uh, with my buddy Joe Yurden. And we went out to go watch the game. And we're watching the game. And he made a remark after Tokarski gets pulled in the second period. And he says to me, "These are the goals that the Penguins should have scored in the third period on Tuesday." And Dustin Tokarski stood on his head. Had one of the best performances we've seen from a Sabres goaltender in quite some time. The Sabres win two to one, but 20 shots on goal in that third period. It was a bloodbath. And we hear and and of course you just gotta love. Um, you gotta love Coach Don Granado. I love his first name. Well, that was fun, wasn't it? Like he sort of knew that third period, really the second half of that game. Paul, they had just they had no control over the pace of play. The Penguins were cycling the puck. It looked like they were playing a college team, and a lot of that came back to bite them on Thursday night. What did you see in the third period of the Penguins game that leaked over into Thursday night against the Calgary Flames at home? It got worse Thursday. I mean, those three goals that Calgary scored, I think it was in a minute 37, were like watching the Harlem Globetrotters play basketball. I mean, the Sabres basically just stood there like the Washington Generals and watched. And they were like, every goal Calgary scored was like a highlight real goal. I mean, and, they and you know, other than the breakaway by Goudreau in the first period, they're like open layup tappins. You know that they that they wind up scoring with the Sabers just, you know, standing around. They just didn't have the you know any energy in their game at all. They, uh, you know, no awareness. I haven't used the word awareness in a long time. Used to use it all the time. You know, for the last ten years. But this year, with this team, 
you know, for, there are a couple players that aren't real aware, and uh, Miller's one of them at times, and, you know, he tends to let people get behind him, and that happened with Gaudreau. It, it just looked like he had no idea Gaudreau was behind him. And, uh, you know, but the that's what it was. I mean, there was just nothing, and they know it. And that's the thing, you know, talking to Kyle Oposo and, you know, that's not the team we've seen. Right. What, what we right. saw against Calgary is I haven't seen that yet this year. You know, the way they lost that game and the way they played that game. So, all right, that happens in 82 games. What the trick is now mm -hmm. is the old Sabres, 10 games from now, we're still talking about it. Right. right. Now, now let's see. You're going to play five games in seven days. Are we still going to be talking about it at the end of the week? You know, or are they going to shake out of it? And say, okay, this is an outlier. We understand we weren't good enough. It was unacceptable. We had two days of practice. Now let's get back to playing the way we play. Let's get get back to, you know, getting on the other team and dictating play and doing the things that they know they can do well, and uh, you know, leave this game behind. You know, I, I think Paul, it's probably safe to say that I, I would say most Sabres fans felt that that game on Thursday was likely going to be the norm of the 2021 season. And and I would say it's a good thing, and, and credit to the Sabres, for Thursday almost being a little surprising for a lot of people. And I think that really is a credit to the coach and the team for, I think, pivoting and changing a little bit of the narrative going into this season that you could make the argument at home, Paul, this has been a team that has been a, a borderline playoff team. Now on the road, they've been just terrible, and, and that has brought them the average way back down to earth. But at home, Paul, they've looked like a very different team, but they looked like the team that we've seen on the road for the better part of the season. Your point it definitely doesn't fall on deaf ears here about this can't be the conversation we're having 10 days from now. But but if you are Don Granado, what can you change short of getting Henry Yokiharu back in the lineup, which we'll talk about in a second? Like, What can you change defensively? Because so far this year, the defense has sort of been one of the brighter spots, maybe the most consistent part of them night in, night out. And that just, what, what, what I saw on Thursday, really was not reminiscent of anything I've seen this calendar year. Well, Yoki Haru is not going to play tomorrow in Madison Square Garden. He may play Monday. He's going to come back this week unless he has a setback. You know, he looked good in practice. He did everything. I mean, they didn't, like, put a red jersey on him and baby him or anything like that. He was right in there. You know, he was paired with Bryson, which is hmm. what made me think that maybe he was going to play on Sunday. But uh, they want to give him a little more practice time to ramp him in. I mean, and, and I, I, we found out. We knew he finished the game and had an injury. He finished the game with a broken bone in his foot. Played two periods. And he just wow. didn't take his skate off. You know, but so the thing never had a chance to swell up until after the game. So yeah, in the second and third period against Montreal, he played with a broken foot. <laughs> and and you know, and you know, went from there after that uh, once the game was over. So um the defensive pairs will change once he's back. Um, Haig didn't practice yesterday, but he's pra he'll practice today. And, um, yeah, so the lines – and Granado was right. He changed the lines in the third period, and it was worse. <laughs> <laughs> and so he went back to the other ones. He goes, that didn't help at all. Yeah, you're right, it didn't. <laughs> it, it, was, it was actually worse, if that could even be possible, than what they were playing earlier. So he went back to the lines that he had – and uh, he's tended – most coaches change lines. I always tell people that because people get annoyed with 
every coach that's run through here, including Lindy Ruff, you change lines too much. Why don't you leave it alone? Why don't you have this, that, the other thing? And Granado tends to stick with it. Yeah. He doesn't tend to change lines all that much. And I think it's that's helped a little consistency for them also. But, you know, it'll be interesting. Skinner has played pretty well with Thompson and Asplin, but so did Olison. Olison had a really good thing going with that line. So when Olison's ready to come back, what do you do? Do you continue with what we've been seeing lately, which has been good? Or do you go back to what was good before and give Olison that, that wing back and move Skinner? So. Yeah. You know, that'll be interesting to see how they handle that. But when you get Skinner, Tuck, and we don't even know how Tuck's going to fit in, uh, and uh, Middlestat back, now you're going to get a different look up front, too. And who are the who are the guys that are going to come out of the right. lineup? Probably Hayden, for sure. Mm-hmm. And probably Aristolainen. I mean, he's had a few spurts, but I don't think he's really grabbed this position. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think, I, if you said, do you think he's taking advantage of this opportunity, I would say no. You know, I, I just you don't notice him most nights, and um, you know, so he would probably come out. And then when Tuck is ready, you got a third one that's going to come out, and that that, that one, uh, you know, would be a little more challenging to try to figure out who would come out when he was ready. Yeah, I think you know, obviously, Granado's going to have a couple of tough decisions, and th- those are good things. Those are tough. Those are good decisions this franchise has had because in the last couple of years, it hasn't really been difficult decisions. There's been a lot of earning parties to pull out of the lineup, and and I guess I can't quite say um, that that's been the same this year. So I think that's 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 an improvement in, in the lineup. I, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is Granado and. And obviously the the injury situation for this team has been pretty difficult over the last couple of weeks. Um, We know that this Olafson injury has been sort of stretched out a little bit. I found it, and you and I have had conversations about Granado like this, but again, I'm just wondering in your experience covering the league, which is, you know, I've been a decent amount of time here, Paul. How many times has the coach come out and apologized and further explained the injuries and why the timelines are getting stretched out? I thought that was a really unique moment listening to Granado, you know, sort of apologize to talk, what's well, a soft injury, uh, soft tissue injury? And those are the sorts of injuries that are tough to predict, especially with a shooter like Olafson. It's affecting his shot. He could get out there and skate and play. But it's affecting the shot. Like th- those are details. Those are things that we typically don't get in pro sports, not just the NHL, but the NFL. For the most part, it's let's give the media as little as possible. And Granado has sort of been very refreshing in that sense, Paul. But even kind of going out and further explaining those things, I thought was a really unique moment that I haven't heard a head coach in really any major sport talk about. Well, a lot of coaches don't like to even just talk about injuries and timetables and stuff because of what's happened here. Middle stat. Well, it's going to be around three weeks. Well, it's six now. Yeah, right. right. And we're not, he's not even back at practice yet. So now fans are, well, what a liar. He lied to us. <laughs> you know, you know, he said three weeks and they start holding his feet to the fire. Well, how come you told us three weeks when it's going to be six? We either you're a liar or our medical staff is incompetent or sure. yeah. that's what they get. So it's easier as a coach just not to talk about it and just be very brief. And just say week to week or day to day. I don't, I'm not putting a timetable on it. And then fans get mad. Well, why don't they tell us what the injury is? Why don't they tell us? That's why. Because in situations, Granado's right. In situations like these, when you're waiting for soft tissue or a muscle to heal, you don't know. Olison could wake up tomorrow and be ready to go because it it it, it finally feels better. Right. You, you can't predict when that's going to be. 
a broken bone. Now, Yoki Haru, they didn't realize, you know, they, they had talked after the game and they were hoping about three weeks. But then the next day they realized, nope, we have a, we have a broken bone here. And he said, no, it's going to be much longer. You know, and he came right out and corrected it because they knew with him, it's a broken bone. So we have, sorry, I got the hiccups here. Sorry, you know, it's a, it's a broken bone and we know how long it takes a broken bone to heal. So they could be a little bit more specific with that than they can with these injuries with middle stat. And they can with talk also because mm-hmm. it's shoulder surgery. So they know it'll be another month, month and a half somewhere in there with shoulder surgery. But when you're dealing with muscles that middle stat Olison are dealing with, and Anderson, let's not forget about him yep. too. Yep. Um, you just don't know when 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 that player is going to feel better. Paul Hamilton here on the Wester Hotline. And Paul, I wanted to ask you and go back to the Henry Yoki Haru question. Just about when he comes back in the lineup, whether it's you know whether it's tomorrow or whether it's next week, who do you expect on that blue line to come out of the lineup? I, I think I would probably look to Will Butcher, but wondering who you think is maybe the immediate guy that comes out of the lineup. I agree. It absolutely would be Will Butcher. I think yeah, he was with Will Lane in, in practice yesterday. Um, that's why I thought, just the way they practiced, that's why I thought Yoki Haru was going to step right in. Because what the way it is now in the NHL, when they're doing these skates, they're not really by themselves. They have trainers and coaches really working them hard. So when they get back to practice, they're basically ready to go. They just got to get into a little bit of game shape and that type of thing. And take a few hits and those types of things. But usually when they get back to practice, it used to be back to practice, and they practiced for a week or two before with the team before you saw them back in line. But now they're more ready to go. So, you know, he, he he'll have two practices in before tomorrow's game. Granado said it's usually two to four. So, you know, he would get a morning skate or something like that for the Ranger game on Sunday. That's why I wouldn't be surprised to see him in Monday's home game uh, back because then he would have two hard practices, a morning skate, which he can go harder at. You know, he would stay after the other guys got off the ice and they would bag skate him and that kind of thing. And so he would have three days then. So I think it would be, I, I, I have, a, I would have a pretty good sense. It would be Monday. If, if it's not Wednesday or Monday, I would say Wednesday for sure. He would be back in. All right, Paul, last one for you, Dylan Cousins. You and I spoke on Saturday morning last week. We talked about Cousins in that matchup against um, against Connor McDavid in that, that 3-2 win over the Oilers, and both of us were sort of talking about him as this player that's really fitting into the role. Now, he hasn't lit up the scorebook, but, man, he looked good against McDavid, and he followed that up, Paul, by going against the Austin Matthews line and then the Sidney Crosby line and, and, again, put up two fantastic performances against the top lines of two really good hockey teams. I know the Penguins are still finding their way. They're getting a lot of guys back from injury, but they're still the Penguins uh, in, in retrospect to the Sabres. So tell me a little bit about the week short of that Calgary game, which I'm not sure you're going to find a lot of positives of anybody from that game, but th- that three-game stretch, the Oilers, the Leafs, and the Penguins, you just got to love what you're seeing right now from, uh, from, from Dylan Cousins. Yeah, the overall thing in the Penguin game, I probably wouldn't be as excited as I would be for the first two in there, sure. the Oilers and the Leaf games. I thought he was stellar in those games, and you know, I, my thought was, it's funny how when I just started thinking about it is when he started playing well to make me look bad. Uh, and I'm fine with <laughs> I look bad. I, I'm, I'm the type of person I'll readily admit when I'm wrong. And my thought was, you know what, when Middlestack gets back, maybe a little time in Rochester would help him, you know, and, and just to get his confidence back, it'll get his game back a little bit and that type of thing. And, and then 
I saw him play against Edmonton, I go, well, wait a minute, maybe we need to put the brakes on that. And and what are the things he doesn't do well? You know, he's 20 years old. He's he's not as strong as I think he will be when he's in his full adult body. So he's easy to knock off pucks when he's trying to stick handle and those types of things. Well, he'd also be easy to knock off pucks in the American League, too. So mm-hmm. when you look at it, it's like, would that really help him? Or would he be better off learning up here with Granado and the coaching staff and, and that type of thing when probably the problem that bugs him the most would happen in the American Hockey League also? Um, you know, I was also wrong. I thought he would have a much better season to start. I thought as a 19-year-old, and I think mentally he is ready for it, but I think Granado did the right thing by not putting the C on his jersey. And I was, you know, I, I was really up on that, thinking, you know, I think he can handle it. I've got, I went through the guys who were captains, nineteen twenty, and who could really handle it. And I, again, I think mentally he could handle it. But why do that to him? And I, I, I now that it's happened, I was wrong. I agree with Granado. You know, I think, you know, a lot of people now that Tuck's here feel maybe Tuck could be the future captain of this team. But I, I still think Cousins would be an excellent choice. But not this year. I think he absolutely did the right thing with the Poso and Gergensons. Let give them the team. Let it be their team for a while. You don't have to rush this kid into anything. And you know, I just got carried away. I think a little bit with it. What I thought that he might be when the season started, but he had a rough training camp, and he wasn't that player. And he has to grow into in, in the National Hockey League and grow into what he's doing. Yeah, and that's only going to come with experience too, Paul. You know, and and having your your I think you're spot on too about the strength. And those are things that will come, but it's not going to come in the middle of the season. You know, like that's those are things he's going to have to work on in the off season. But getting the experience, understanding the areas he's going to have to improve in. I mean, that's that's the goal for this year. That's really the goal for all these young players is gaining jo- experience on the job, finding the weaknesses in your game, and going to the off season and working on them. So this is still I know it's still a learning experience for a lot of these young guys, but at least this team is giving those experiences and giving the opportunities to these young guys to, to to get that experience this year and he's learning too how to you know when you if maybe you're not strong enough but i was i just been talking to people that would know you know yeah. how you know you if you he's he's working on getting a good base under him when he's in battle and along the wall and that that makes it harder to knock him off the puck when he's trying to stick handle with the upper body and and try to do things he did in junior hockey, he gets into trouble yep. that way. He's very easy to knock off the puck. And you know who else was just like that, Paul? Tage Thompson. And, yeah. T- and Tage is a little older now. He still has, I think, room to grow a little bit into his body still, but I, he is such he's come such a long way. I also think you your point about moving him to center and giving him the whole ice instead of cutting off half the ice for him, I think has been a big part of his of his maturation. But also, Paul, he's just more physical. He's built he's he's worked into that that body frame that he has. And I think Cousins has probably got to get there too, but it took Tage a little while to get there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The the body you have when you're 20, if you're a, a you know work out like a professional athlete does, you're going to have a much more finished, stronger body at 22 or 23 than you are at 20 because you're not mature yet. You're still growing. You know, you still haven't matured yet. I mean, think of you know what you looked like when you were 20 compared to maybe when you were 22. You know, because you were an athlete then and working out and doing things, and how much you could improve your body as you passed the adult stage quote 21 type of thing 
All right, Paul. Enjoy your weekend, my friend. Enjoy your Saturday, uh, and uh, we'll be, uh, I'm sure, chatting soon, my friend. Sounds good. Take care. Awesome. Paul Hamilton there on the Wester Hotline. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.